I hope you've all had a great day. My name is Ian, if I've not met you before. I'm part of the team here at Cardiff Vineyard. And if you've been around here for very long, you'll probably know that we are soon going to be becoming a multi-site church. Which is exciting news, yeah. So in September, we will have a Cardiff Central site that will be meeting here at the gate. And we will also be launching a new site in the north of the city. Now, I'm married to Sophie, who sat down here on the front row, and together we're going to be site pastors of the new North site. You might be aware of that, you might not. It's exciting. So, we are incredibly excited about the opportunities that this presents us um, as a church to make more space for more people and to be able to reach more of the city. And our vision is to restore the city. And we exist for those that are yet to come. And many of you will know that we've been on a journey of launch, of, uh, on a journey towards launching this new site. We've been gathering people together for a season of preparation, especially for the north, which is going to be new, and getting excited about all that God wants to do in that part of the city. But we're also, we are excited about what, what God wants to do in this part of the city as well. But as you can imagine, there's been a lot of work going on behind the scenes, trying to prepare as much as possible. But the one thing that's been a real stumbling block has been um, finding a venue. We've been trying to find a venue for months. I think I've got a list of 40 or 50 places that we've knocked on the door and for one reason or another just hasn't been suitable. We've got an amazing group of people that are gathered and they're ready to go. But until this week, we had nowhere to put them. We had nowhere to meet on a Sunday. So as a community, we've been praying, fasting, pressing in and seeking God. And we've been asking for favor with particular people and places. We've been pushing on doors and making connections with people wherever possible. And just asking God to give us wisdom as we've searched for a venue. And there have been moments when it's felt like we were nearly there and something would just fall through, unexplained. But we've kept on praying and petitioning God for the right home for Cardiff North. And I am finally very excited to announce that we have officially found a venue for the new site, which is hugely exciting. Woo! We will be meeting at the Holiday Inn Cardiff North, which is very exciting. I've seen it myself. It is very nice. And you know what? Of all the places that we've looked at, that is it is absolutely the best place for so many reasons. At times, we felt like we might never find a venue, but God had this one up his sleeve the whole time. We just had to find it. And like I said, I'll be honest, there have been moments when I thought we might never find a suitable venue. You're just like crossing them off the list like, oh, that's another one that's a no, that's another one. You're looking down, you're like, are we running out of places? But God knew where we were gonna meet. He had this one up his sleeve. And at times it's been frustrating, tiring, it's even been uh, discouraging at, in, at some times, but we've been learning so much along the way. And as James said two weeks ago, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. It's about who we're becoming along the way, and it's about developing a closer relationship with God. We've been reminded of an important and humbling lesson throughout the whole process that we need to rely on God and trust in him in everything. We can't do this in our own strength. Yes, we have a part to play, but we must remember that God is in control. And this is what we're going to be looking at this evening as we continue our series uh, in the book of Psalms. 
This evening, we're going to take a look at Psalm 127. So if you have a Bible with you, I'd love to encourage you to turn there with me. If you don't have a Bible, then don't worry, it's going to, turn up. It's going to appear on the screen behind me. It will turn up, trust me. Uh, now, before we dive in, I'd love to just give you guys a bit of um, background to this psalm. I think generally when we think about psalms, I don't know about you, but I often think about King David, right? Now, that's probably a fair thing because he's, it's believed that he wrote about half of the psalms. There's 150 psalms. It's believed that he wrote about half of them. But this one is actually attributed to his son, Solomon. And Solomon is probably more famous for writing other Old Testament books like Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, obviously the Song of Solomon, that was probably his, it's in the name. But the Old Testament tells us that he actually wrote over a thousand songs. And Solomon is also the guy who, when God asked him, what's the one thing you desire? He asked for wisdom to discern right from wrong. And you can read about that in 1 Kings chapter three. If you wanna read more about Solomon, that's a good place to start. It was Solomon who built the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, which, as we will see, might give us a clue as to why he wrote this psalm. Psalm 127 is also known as a song of ascent. You might see that if you've got your Bibles in the subtitle that might be called a song of ascent. And did you know that there are actually 15 psalms in the Bible that have this subtitle, a song of ascent? They're grouped together between Psalm 120 and Psalm 134. So what does this mean, a psalm of ascent or a song of ascent? Well, one of the reasons they're called this name is because these psalms were sung by the Jews as they made their ascent to Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem is situated on top of a hill, and as the Jews made, as the Jews made their way to Jerusalem for any of their three main festivals, it's believed that these were the songs that they would sing on their ascent. Kind of like how when we're on the bus, we might sing the wheels on the bus or I can't think of another. Do we sing that? I don't know. We have songs that we sing when we go on journeys. These would have been their songs. But another reason these psalms might also be called songs of ascent is because as you read them, they have an upward motion about them. In a sense, they're like stepping stones that as you read them, they have an upward trend towards God. They lead us towards God more and more. In fact, you can actually divide these 15 psalms into five groups of three. And as you read each psalm in its group of three, there's a familiar pattern that emerges. In each group of three, the first psalm begins with the believer crying out to God in the midst of struggle. It's a psalm of trouble. The second psalm acknowledges that we need God and his provision. It's a psalm of trust. And the third psalm praises God and speaks of receiving his blessing. It's a psalm of triumph. So there's a psalm of trouble, a psalm of trust, and a psalm of triumph. I'll give you an example. So Psalm 120 is the first song of ascent. And it begins, I call on the Lord in my distress. It's a psalm of trouble. Psalm 121, the next psalm begins, I lift my eyes up to the hill. Where does my help come from? It's a psalm of trust. The, the author of the psalm is, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. And in Psalm 122, it begins, I rejoiced. Because what the, the writer of that psalm goes on to say is that they rejoiced in the Lord for, for the blessings that they've received. It's a psalm of triumph. Now, I don't know about you, but I've certainly had moments in my journey of faith where I've experienced all of these. And as I've described the journey for us in trying to find a venue for Cardiff North, 
we've gone through the motions of crying out to God, trusting in him, and ultimately celebrating his triumph this week. We've been through those stages. And I think it's, you know what, it's not something we just go through once in our life. Over and over again, we find ourselves um, in trouble and then seeking God and then having the blessing and the reward and praising him. And just when we think we're in that midst of celebrating, we find we're back in trouble again. So the fact that the Psalms do this repetitively, I find that quite reassuring that that's how my life looks too. So the Psalm we're gonna be focusing on this evening, Psalm 127, is a Psalm of trust. It appears in the middle of the three Psalms if you were grouping them. So let's have a read of it. Um, Psalm 127, and we're gonna focus on the first two verses. So it reads like this, verse one, unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. We're gonna stop there. And there are three more verses in this Psalm. And Solomon goes on to explain about God's blessing and provision in the home, particularly, particularly in relation to having children and raising a family. But that isn't what I want to focus on this evening. Looking at the two verses, the first two verses, there is a very clear message. Unless the Lord is involved, our efforts are in vain. Basically, if we do things without God, they're not worth doing. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late. The words in vain appear three times in just two verses. And whenever scripture uses repetition to reinforce an idea, we can be sure that it's something that we need to take note of. We need to learn the lesson that it's trying to give us. And in Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes about the futility of our lives and our work if they're done without God. He describes it as like chasing after the wind. I love that picture. That He's like, trying to live your life and trying to do your work without God is like chasing after the wind. Ultimately, it's not going to amount to anything. And the core message of this, psalm, of this psalm is therefore about dependency on God. It's a psalm that's about depending and trusting in God. And I think that in the season that we're in and that we're about to step into as a church, as Cardiff Vineyard, as we take new risks and face new challenges, as we endeavor to expand and grow and reach this city, this psalm contains some important lessons that we can learn from. But I also think that it has something to teach us as individuals. So let me ask you two questions. The first is this, what are you currently building? Are you building a career? Are you building a family or a community? Are you working towards a certain qualification or a set of skills? Are you trying to build a brand and start a new business? What is it that you're building? And my next question is, are you relying on God or are you trying to do it in your own strength? And as we delve into this psalm, I'd love to invite you to consider those two questions. What are you building, and are you relying on God or trying to do it all in your own strength? As I said earlier, I'm sure that we can all relate to the structure of those psalms of ascent, having moments in our lives of trouble, trust, and triumph. 
And I think that we can also find ourselves in three mindsets or mentalities in the way that we approach the things that we're building in our lives. And the three mindsets are these. Number one, the worker mentality. Number two, the slacker mentality. And number three, the partnership mentality. And I want to explore these three mindsets in, the, in relation to the psalm for the remainder of this talk. So let's take a look at them one by one. The first mindset I've called the self-reliant worker mentality. Having the belief that everything we're building and working towards is totally reliant on us. That if we drop the ball, everything's going to fall apart. This mentality excludes God. It essentially boils down to, I do everything and God does nothing. And although this might seem quite extreme, I think if we're honest with ourselves, it can actually be really easy for us to fall into this mentality. I know that I'm susceptible to it, that just getting my head down, plowing through, trying to focus on the task at hand, and totally relying on myself. But the danger when we do this is that we often end up totally exhausted, burnt out and stressed. And as Adam Russell, who preached here a few months ago, said, we end up crispy, like bacon that you've overcooked. And Pastor T.G. Jake says, stress and worry is a residual of relying on yourself and being your own God in control of everything. A sure sign that we're slipping into this mentality is feeling like we don't have time to rest. If you're in that moment where you're just like, Have you ever said that to someone? You're like, oh, I just don't know when I'm going to take a break. It's probably a good sign that you need to take a break. Verse 2 warns us that this mentality results in early starts and late nights, unrelenting toil and long days, and a severe lack of rest. But Solomon declares that God will grant grant rest to those who depend on him. Verse 1 speaks about the work of God, and verse 2 speaks about the rest of God. Sabbath isn't just a nice idea that God has given us. He actually commands us to rest. And Jesus invites us into real rest with him on a regular basis. So Matthew eleven twenty-eight, in the message version says, are you tired, worn out, burned out by religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I love those words. From my experience, I would say that those moments when you don't feel like you have time to stop and rest, those are the times that you actually need it most. When we keep trying to do things in our own strength and without God, we just get frustrated and struggle to be at our best. And in fact, Jesus goes one step further. And in John 15, he says that without him, we can't actually do anything. In verse 5, he says, I am the vine you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He goes on to reinforce this idea that if we stay separated from him, if we stay separated from him, we just end up burnt and withered. So that's the first mindset that we can get into, this self-reliant worker mentality. But this is clearly not God's best for us. And it's not how the psalm, it's not how the, what this psalm is teaching us. So let's check out the reverse option. The second mentality is more along the lines of, okay, God, you do everything and I'll do nothing. What if I just kick back, relax, and let God do all the heavy lifting? Wouldn't that be nice? 
Rather than, do I actually need, rather than do I actually need God, the question this time is, does God actually need me? Essentially, it boils down to, if God is in control, then surely I don't need to do anything. It'll just happen. It's a bit like when a child asks their parent for homework, but actually all they really want is for the parent to do the homework and hand it back to them. I'm sure I remember times like that. I was like, Dad, do you want to help me with my maths? Do you want to do my maths? And I'll just get the A. Um, this is what I'm calling the passive slacker mentality. So let's just consider, in this psalm, is Solomon encouraging us to have this slacker mentality? It's not likely, is it? But let's just go with me for a minute. Let's just check it out. Firstly, Solomon has plenty to say about sitting around and being lazy in the book of Proverbs. In fact, I'm going to warn you that the, message, the messages version of some of these verses is pretty brutal, so just be prepared. Proverbs 6, verse 6. You lazy fool. Look at the ant. Watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. Proverbs 6, verse 9. So how long are you going to laze around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed? And then this one's definitely my favorite. Proverbs 26, verse 14. Just as the, a door turns on its hinges, so a lazy bones turns back over in bed. Ouch. You know, someone who loves to hit snooze and just roll over, over for another like 10 minutes repeatedly. Personally, I feel a bit attacked by these proverbs. Anyone else? I, am, I wish they weren't in there. Clearly, Solomon recognized the value of hard work. He would not have written a psalm that was encouraging us just to sit around and do nothing and expect God to do everything whilst we put in zero effort. And secondly, if God was to do absolutely everything, then why would there even be builders in this psalm? What would be their purpose? The problem with this mentality is that if we reach the point where we say, okay, God, you do it all, I'll just sit back and wait for you, then we deny our responsibility and our part to play in God's plans and his mission. And in doing so, we are in danger of denying our identity, our calling, and the authority that he gives us. And I'll come on to this in a moment. So let's rule out the slacker mentality because it denies who we were made to be. And we've already ruled out the worker mentality because it neglects our dependence on God. So what's the answer? Well, I believe that the third and final mindset is the one that most closely meets what Solomon is trying to encourage us towards in this psalm. And it's, one, it's a mindset where we work with God. This is the partnership mentality. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Verse 1 talks about the Lord building and someone else building too. They're building together. Earlier, I quoted Jesus' invitation in Matthew 11:28 28, in the message version. Um, he goes on to say, after the bit that I read out, he goes on to say, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And these verses in the NIV translation, Jesus' words are, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Now, just in case you don't know, a yoke, spelled Y-O-K-E, not to be mistaken with, mistaken with Y-O-L-K, which is an egg yolk, is a the yoke I'm speaking about is a piece of equipment that a farmer would use that is fastened over the neck of two animals and attached to a plow or a cart that they are pulling so that their combined strength will pull the cart along. In these verses, Jesus is using this imagery of a farming yoke to suggest that we need to join to him so that we can work together with him. And the amazing thing is that when we partner with Jesus, he promises that his yoke is easy, that it won't be burdensome, it's not ill-fitting or heavy. When we yoke ourselves to him, he will do all the heavy lifting. Paul also speaks about partnering with God in 1 Corinthians 3 when he describes us as co-laborers with Christ. Being a co-laborer is part of our identity and calling as believers. We partner with God in what he is building. Soph and I have been encouraged by this as we've prepared to launch the new site of Cardiff Vineyard. And we, as Cardiff Vineyard, get to partner with God in his plans and his purposes for this city. What an amazing privilege that is, that we get to partner with him. And another real source of encouragement has been the words of Jesus to Peter in Matthew 16. Just after Peter has recognized Jesus as the Messiah for the first time, Jesus says to him, and on this rock, I will build my church. And then he says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is building his church. He's building it. Did you notice that? He says, I will build my church. He's building it. He's the builder. But he also promises to give Peter, and by implication, us, the keys of the kingdom. We get to partner with him. He trusts us and gives us authority too. When we know our calling to partner with God and our identity as co-laborers with Christ, then our then and our authority in having the keys of the kingdom of heaven... That is when our work is not in vain. That is when we truly build with God. And in this psalm, Solomon is teaching us how to learn to partner with God in all that we're doing, whatever we're building. So we've established that the best approach is the partnership mentality. Are, you, are we agreed with that? I'm there. I don't know if you guys are agreeing, but that's what I'm sticking with now. I've written this. I feel like it's legit. We're staying with this. Anyway, but how can we do this? How can we learn to partner with God and avoid having a worker or a slacker mentality? Well, the first thing I'd say is that we need to understand who we are and who God is and make sure we get that the right way around. We need to get the right perspective. And one way we do this is through worship. As we met together this evening, um, after these guys had welcomed us and introduced, we had uh, 20, 25 minutes of song worship where together we just praise the Lord for who he is. When we worship God, we put him in his rightful place. When we worship God, we lift him up, we give him all the glory and all the praise. We thank him for who he is and what we've done, what he's done. Just like we did tonight when we sang that song, thanking him for what he's already done. And I love that we thank him for what he's gonna do as well. We're expectant for what the Lord is going to do. We have faith because we've seen what he's already done. And the second thing we can do, something that's been hugely important to Soph and I over the last few months, is pray. 
Learning to depend on God has forced us to step up our prayer game like no time before. We've really had to get down on our knees and pray. When things get difficult, we pray. When we need to, take, when we need to make decisions, we pray. When we're not seeing breakthrough, we pray. And when we feel disheartened, we pray. In every situation, we come back to God and we pray. And this is something that we are still continuing to learn day by day with each situation. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control and brings us closer to the one who is. I'll say that again. Prayer reminds us that we're not in control and brings us closer to the one who is. There is no better way to humbly remind ourselves that God is in control and that we're not than when we pray. In Philippians 4, Paul encourages us to pray and petition God in everything. If we're ever slipping back into a work mentality and feeling anxious about everything that seems to be relying on us, prayer reminds us that God is in control. When we step back and recognize that God is in the driving seat, it is so humbling and so freeing. Humbling in that we have to accept that when things are going well, it's not all down to our own success. And freeing in that when things feel like they aren't going so well, it's not down to us alone to fix it by ourselves. Unless God's in it, we're working in vain. Unless he's in it, we're working in vain. If we do it without him, it's unlikely to succeed. If we expect him to do everything, we're denying our opportunity to partner with him. But by working with him, we're picking up the keys of the kingdom and playing our part in his plan for our lives and in this city. So in closing, let's just return to those questions that I asked you earlier. What are you building and are you relying on God or are you trying to do it all in your own strength? What is God's plan and purpose for you in this next season of your life? What is he inviting you into? What is he asking you to join him in building? Those are some great questions just to ask yourselves. In this psalm, Solomon reminds us how much we need God, that we can trust him, and that ultimately, when we recognize this, we get to partner with God and build with him. That our work will no longer be a toil, but a joy. That we will no longer... Be in that it will no longer be in vain, but it will have an eternal purpose, and that we don't have to remain weary, but we can find perfect rest in him. So as we step into a new season, let's be people who choose to partner with God in all that he is building. Why don't you stand?